Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Hey, everybody. Excited to see you. I was working last week, so it was like my first week of church in all year. Um, Happy New Year. We made it. It's 2020. Um, I was told the world was supposed to end in 2012, so we're like eight years overdue. You're here. You arrived. Um, I, uh, I love New Year's. I'm, I'm a really driven person. Uh, I love setting New Year's resolutions, things like that. My, um, my New Year's Eve this year, though, was a little unexpected because 10 years ago when I started the decade, I was, a, I was a 10th grader. And this year, I was like 26, and it became very clear that I was an adult. Um, because as a 10th grader, like, I had this, you know, I had a lot of ideas, and they were all right. Um, and um, as a 10th grader, I, like, would go to New Year's Eve parties, right? And I would, like, judge um, the people who would go home or go to sleep before midnight. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? Because I was like, come on, come on, that, you're not cool. And now I am officially not cool because I totally did not make it to midnight. Um, me and my boyfriend made it to like 11.30. My mom over there made it to 10.20, okay? Like, we did not make it to midnight. I had some friends who texted me and were like, hey, like, we're, uh, we're going to go to the saloon tonight. Are you coming? And just reading that text exhausted me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just like imagining. The saloon is a gay club in downtown Minneapolis. The idea of like, anyway, so I'm old now. I'm, I arrived. It's great. Try it. Try it. If, you're, if you stayed up, you're a better person than me. Anyway, so New Year's was really significant for me for two reasons. The first was I had to, you know, take a moment, take some time to be like, God, what, what do you have for me this year? God, what, what goals do you want me to set? What habits do you want me to build? What resolutions do you want me to make, God? What, 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 what goals should I set for myself? And I remember in that time of prayer, I remember God just responding by saying, maybe this year isn't about you, Jean. Um, and I remember just thinking that, like, I had made my previous year all about that, about the audiobooks I was going to read, about the, the, the habit tracker I was going to have on my phone that was going to help me make my bed and, like, exercise and, like, do all the things, right? Because my life, in some ways, had become, right, this plan, this agenda, this goal. But sometimes you discover that God's greatest purpose for your life is not a goal, yeah. right? Yeah. That sometimes the freedom that God has for you and the freedom that God has for me um, is not good for our metrics. The freedom that God has for you, the freedom that God has for me, sometimes doesn't align um, with the resolutions that we make. Um, Because, you know, if if you're anything like me, like, um, sometimes when you have goals and agendas and desires and plans, um, sometimes the most spiritual thing that God can do is not to bless that, but but to disrupt it. For something new to awaken in your heart and in, and in mine. Um, the most spiritual moments that you're going to have in 2020 are not going to feel divine. They're going to be moments of disruption. They're going to be moments where the script ends, when the plan breaks, when the timeline doesn't work out. Um, I believe that God's greatest purpose for your life, that Jesus came here not primarily to make you successful. He came to make us free. Amen? Amen. So, um, so that was an interesting moment, a moment of disruption for me. The second moment was when I learned uh, how they celebrate New Year's in Ecuador. Now, I, um, I, I don't know if you can notice, but I'm, uh, my boyfriend uh, gave me an Ecuadorian um, soccer shirt to represent. Um, but, uh, 
but in Ecuador, so like, I, if you're anything like me, like, um, we, I, I understand that like our American traditions of New Year's must be the best in the world. Like, I mean, what do we have? We have, we watch a ball drop, we count down from 10, and we get drunk. Like, those are, <laughs> what could beat those traditions? I don't know, just kidding. Um, those traditions are pretty basic, but in Ecuador, they do something very, very different. Um, so they have these things called monigotes. Now, the loose translation of this word is straw doll. And what they do is that um, at the end of every year, right, New Year's in English, um, in Spanish, is Año Nuevo. But in Ecuador, unlike other countries um, in Latin America, the focus is not on Año Nuevo. The focus is on Año Viejo, which means old year or past year. And so they make these, uh, these life-size replicas of you. And do we have uh, the slide? So like, it looks weird, um, but it's really powerful. They make life-size replicas of you. That says, happy 2012, um, may all the bad things stay in the past. Um, and then they make masks. So like, you, you take clothes, your own clothes, you, you fill them up with straw or with paper. Sometimes it's paper mache. Um, uh, the next slide as well. Sometimes for kids, like, it's not, um, the goal of this is to represent this past year, to create something that represents your life in the past year. So if you're a kid, like, they make Monsters, Inc., or Spider-Man, or uh, Superman, like, these things that represent Año Viejo. And there's a really th simple three-step process for this. The first step is you make a monigote. The second step is you grab your family and friends and go outside. And the third step is you set it all on fire. <laughs> Literally, I didn't add the photo, but everything you saw there at midnight, they gather around and they set it on fire, wow. right? Uh, Fabo was telling me that if that year was particularly bad, before you set your monigote on fire, you would spank it. You would like take like a belt and like hit it for being a bad year. Okay, now that's different, I know, than watching a ball drop and getting drunk, but like there's something here. That, I know, right, at the end of the service, we're going to have a paper mache <laughs> station back there. You're going to get to make yourself. No, but there's something that we understand in Ecuador, which is for us to experience the future that we want, sometimes something has to be set on fire. For us to experience the future and the freedom that we want, well, actually, something has to be disrupted. It's not... I, and, I, and I think as I, I think about the spiritual, I think we love this idea of Jesus being divine, but we have, we're not so keen on Jesus being disruptive. We love this idea of Jesus setting us free and giving us peace and giving us love and all these divine things, but actually the God we see in the scriptures was willing to be disruptive for the sake of setting us free, right? Because you and I, we get stuck in these loops, Right? We get stuck, like the loop of hurry. Have you, have, you, have you been stuck in this loop before? Where you're like hurrying in the morning to get everything done. Um, and because you did too much, you're now late to work. And so like you're in your car and you're like, the, the biggest prayer that you have is like, God, would you change that red light into a green light? Would you like move that car that should be turning right? But isn't it? like you get stressed and you hurry and then you do more. And then because you do more at work, more is given to you. And then you got more to do and you get stuck in this loop of hurry. Now, in, when you find yourself in a loop, you have a choice, right? You have a choice about what you're going to be asking God or asking life and praying about. You can 
Ask God to bless your loop, right? You can ask God to move that car and change that traffic light. You can ask God to make things faster and better for you. But what if the thing you're asking God for is the very thing he's trying to set you free from? Sometimes God doesn't want to bless your loop. He wants to break it so that you can be free. Amen? Amen. So, you go to a black slide. So, so the next thing we have is we have this interesting story, don't we? Like, this is, a, this is kind of a crazy story. Um, like, like, it has everything you could ask for. I mean, it has demons. It has pigs. It has demon-possessed pigs. I mean, like, what more do you want, guys? We made it. Like, I mean, and furthermore, furthermore, like, we, we heard your feedback. We read your emails. There are a lot of New City people who are saying, you know, I love the worship. I love the messages. But could the sermons have more demon references in them? Like, we're not really getting, you know, you're welcome. Here they are. We're here. But this story, I think, was really compelling for me. It was really compelling for me because in the beginning of the year, I was reading through Matthew, and, and the show shows up. And, and it breaks the expectation that I have of what happens when Jesus shows up. Because right? the expectation you have, right, is Jesus shows up, right, two things happen always. Jesus moves, people are amazed, right? Yeah. Jesus moves, people are amazed. Jesus walks on water, and people are amazed and want to follow him more. Jesus heals a, a blind person, everyone is amazed and wants to follow him. Like, every time Jesus moves, people are amazed. But we're actually seeing an example of a story where Jesus moves, and people ask him to leave town. <laughs> right? That's weird. That's not what the Hallmark story is, right? Jesus is supposed to act. And, and people are supposed to cry and cheer and, like, hug each other and, like, follow God now, right? That's not what happens in the story. That's not what happens in the story. And it's interesting because it got me thinking, like, imagine, like, Jesus got to be president for a year. Like, I like that. I want Jesus to, like, to, you know, to, to set us free and to make things right. But when I read this story, I have this idea that if Jesus were president for a year, I think that would be cool, but there's no way in hell he would be reelected. No. <laughs> there's no way. Like, do you think the bank industry would be pro-Jesus? Right. Do you think insurance industry right. would be? Do you think the military complex would be pro-Jesus? Right. He would do a lot of things, but he would not be reelected because we like the divinity of Jesus, but we do not like his disruption. Right? We like his divinity, right? And, and so we see a, a situation here, right, where the headline should be simple, right? The headline is simple, right? Jesus sets two individuals who had been oppressed for years free. That's what happened in the story. But what's the headline? Like dozens of pigs lost in a tragic accident. Like, like could, you, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Could you imagine living in a culture that cared more about assets being in one piece than people being whole. Could you imagine living in a culture that cared more about systems being fine than people being free, right? And we see this in the story of Jesus doing what he does, setting people free. I mean, you have to understand, like, whether you believe in demons or not, it's not interesting for me, but we're talking about two individuals who had been expelled from town, literally marginalized, right? We were talking about individuals whose emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical health was so damaged because of this oppression yeah. that, that there wasn't a solution. No one in town was like, maybe you should go to this doctor. Maybe you should try this thing. They were hopeless, 
right? We're talking about people who are now stuck in a loop of violence, right? It said that there was so much violence that no one could go that way anymore, right? Right? And it, it, this story is also in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke. And we find out in the Gospel of Mark and Luke that not only was there violence towards other people, but they were stuck in a cycle of violence toward themselves. They were, they were cutting themselves, the Bible says. Right? And so we're talking about individuals that didn't have any hope, that there wasn't anyone who was going to set them free. And the first thing that Jesus does in town is not have a big rally. The first thing that Jesus does in town is not get the message across. The first thing he does in town is set two individuals free. Right? At the cost of his ministry in that region. Now, this speaks to me because I, I remember being, you know, really, you know, in college being in a really large, beautiful church. I mean, thousands of people. I mean, it was, graphic designing was great. Every event was great. I mean, it was just like, a lot of people were supposedly being impacted. I mean, it was just a really meaningful thing for me. And then that really meaningful thing for me hurt and abused me right. and mistreated right. me, right? It's really hard when the people that are supposed to help you when you feel hurt and abused are the very people that hurt and abuse you, right? And that's what we experience when we experience spiritual trauma, right? When we, when we, when we see this good and God thing and then that good and God thing breaks our hearts. Wow. Um, and when I was in that environment, I had friends. Of course, I was very well. I had so many uh, friends. I was so involved. And there was this general posture that, that said, Sean, we're sad that you're sad, and we're sad that something happened here. Mm. Um, but the music is really good, and the messages are really funny, and we're going next week. Right? There was this understanding that even though I knew my friends genuinely you know, knew me and, and wanted good things for me, because of this institution, because of the system, they weren't allowed to say that what happened to me was bad. Right. I remember having a, you know, this was a, yeah. this was a chemical engineer, one of the brightest people I knew, who saw what happened to me and was like, I can't explain why what happened to you was not bad. I can't explain that away. What happened to you was bad, but I had to submit to leadership, and I trust them. And I remember just thinking, you're so, like, I remember seeing Christians become utilitarians, and therefore believing that God, as long as the majority was being helped, being okay if a couple people were being hurt, right? right? right, right. And so we have the, I, I honestly, I, I had this picture of God was like, yeah, 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 like what happened to me was bad, but a lot of people are being blessed, so it's, okay, it's, it's fine. I, oh, what happened to me was bad, but the majority and the system is going on, and, and God is for that, so... I guess that's okay. But what we see in the story is something very different. We see a Jesus who's willing to disrupt the majority to set the minority free. We see a Jesus who is, regardless of the beauty and the grandness of a system, willing to say, no, these two individuals deserve to be free. I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know the way the church has treated you. I don't know the systems of this world um, and, and how they have oppressed you uniquely, but we do not have a God who looks up and says, well, at least the GDP's going well, so, you know, we don't have a God who looks at the big system and says, well, I don't want to disrupt that, so I guess we're just going to have to tolerate you as a casualty. We have a God who's willing to leave the 99 for the one. We have a God who's willing to destroy a house just to find a missing coin. And we have a God who's willing 
to throw everything aside to welcome a son. Right? We have a God who always sets people free, even at the cost of disruption. God is not a utilitarian. He will set an individual free, even if it means making the majority uncomfortable. Second thing, God is not an arsonist. Now, when you experience... When you experience pain from the church, if I'm really honest with you, for a long time, I just kind of wanted those organizations, those institutions to burn. I didn't want anything sophisticated. It was very simple. They hurt me, and now they must feel my pain or more. And I'm not saying that you haven't experienced that. I'm not saying that those feelings aren't valid in some way. But what I am saying is that Jesus did not disrupt some pigs for the sake of disrupting pigs. He disrupted some pigs to set some people free. Amen? And it's really important that we realize, on the flip side of that, is that God is also not, doesn't enjoy just seeing things burn, right? A lot of times, especially as a gay Christian, I saw a lot of people who, who were like, yeah, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that, but that God is God. So God gets to set things on fire, and God gets to hurt people as long as it's for a greater purpose or cause. And what we see, actually, is that God is not an arsonist. Mm. Jesus is out to set us free. And some of us um, who have been hurt um, need to understand that the freedom that God has for us is complete and missing nothing. I don't want us to get stuck in the loop of violence, right? They hurt me, now I must hurt them, right? Because there's all these kinds of loops, right? We're seeing right now a loop of war, right? Right? We attack them, they attack us. But war is always justified by war and always leads to more war. Why did we attack them? Because maybe they could attack us. That is a stated U.S. position. And then we attack them, and now we spent $2.5 trillion on that. So when we think about a system that cares less about, I remember when people were talking about let's make college free or let's take out the college debt that is oppressing generations of individuals from ever having uh, like a security or stability in this world oh a trillion dollars that's too much but you're saying within three years of our current president that we put 2.5 trillion dollars into bigger bombs like we any system that is able to care more about war than it does about the people it's trying to defend is a system that is caught up in a loop right? Because now we just blew someone up. Now there are a lot of more people who are a lot more dedicated to blowing us up. Now we got to spend more money to defend ourselves against the people who want to blow us up because we blew them up and it keeps going and going and going because violence is a loop that doesn't stop and is a loop that must be disrupted by the freedom and the peace of Jesus. Friends, I don't want you to be set free from one loop, all that just to go into another one. The freedom that God has for you and the freedom that God has for me is freedom now. And a lot of loops, what they do is they, 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 they want you to postpone freedom. Like, we're just busy really now. I'm just going to, like, sacrifice my mental health now at job. And then eventually I'll be free. Eventually this project will be over. Eventually, the, no, why are you postponing your freedom to a later period? You will never be free. Hurriness and busyness is just a loop, Right? We say, no, we want peace later. We're just going to have violence now. We want peace later. We're just going to do some missiles now. And it's always after we do the attacks that we want peace, right? (laughs) We blow stuff up. We're like, guys, we just want peace, right? But it's this loop of violence. It's this loop, right? And so the the thing that Jesus wants for you and for me is is for freedom. Um, 
I'll, I'll close with this. Um, uh, in the year 2015, I remember going to, going to church, and uh, I, we were at Houston, and um, it was a very large church. I'm talking thousands of people. The ceiling changed colors. Um, it was very, very nice. Um, and I, and, I, and, and I, I was ready. I was ready for a new year. It was 2015. And I remember the pastor getting up and just giving one, uh, like a really good message. It was funny. It was encouraging. It was inspirational. And the thesis of that message was this. This is going to be your best year. <laughs> this is going to be your best year. There are going to be doors that open. There's going to be opportunities that you're going to get. There's going to be promotions. God is on your side. And God being on your side, meaning that your finances are going to be better. Your job is going to be better. Your weight is going to be better. Everything's going to be better. And, and I, honestly, I left that feeling really, really good and really, really encouraged. But if I'm honest with you, as I look back at my 26 years of life, the year 2015 was the worst year of my life. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that 2020 is going to be the best year of your life. No. No, I'm not, I'm not going to get here and tell you that the freedom that God has for you is not going to have any disruption. But, but what I can tell you is that even though not every disruption is caused by God, God can use every disruption to set us free. There are, the year 2015 was really difficult for me very painful, and I wouldn't wish it on myself again, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but everything beautiful I had now began in the freedom I gained that year. Wow. I began that year, wow. 2015, doing ministry for high school campuses, and there was no way that I could accept that I was gay. There was no way that I could look at my heart and feel the love that God had for me for who I really was. I couldn't. I started that year doing ministry, and there was no way, there's no way I could imagine not doing ministry because if I wasn't serving God, then my life was meaningless. And I, I was set free to know that regardless of what my job is, as I love God, I love people, I'm living in purpose. There are a lot of things that were disrupted that year. And friends, there are a lot of things that will be disrupted in your life this year, but may you have the grace to see God show up in each of them. And may you realize that even if being free isn't good for business, even if being free isn't good for your goals, even if being free isn't good for your metrics, if being free is bad for business, I'd rather be free. Amen? Amen. Thank you.